Welcome to the School of Sheen podcast. The School of Sheen podcast is a Parisia podcast series where we join Sheen expert Alan Smith to take a look at the writings and wisdom of the venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen with host Matthew Herman Tay. In episode three, we discuss the book, The Seven Virtues, The Seven Last Words and the Art of Practicing Virtue by Archbishop Sheen. The School of Sheen podcast is recorded online via Zoom with a live audience in Perusia world. To be part of the live online audience during these recordings and to interact in the live member-only Q&A sessions that follow, please join us in Perusia world by visiting perusiamedia.com and clicking on Perusia world for all the information on how to join. Perusia podcast is produced in partnership with EWTN Asia Pacific and Voice of Charity Radio Australia. Alan Smith, welcome back to Perusia World. How are you today? I'm very well, very well. Uh, the leaves are falling in my neighborhood in Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, fall is here. And so, of course, we have what we call the change of colors, where uh, mm. all the trees just start to lose their leaves, and uh, but they do change color. They go from mm. green to orange to red. And so it's very beautiful, a very beautiful wow. time of the year. And a bit treacherous if you, as you drive, because now you have to deal with leaves on the road uh, and we get to rake up the leaves. So that's uh, part of mm. what we do. Uh, but still, um, we have four seasons in Canada. So it's, uh, mm. it's quite nice in that, um, you know, again, it's very refreshing. The cold air is just starting to come in a bit, mm -hmm. uh, but we still have a, a few what we call Indian summer or uh, again, just a few more weeks of good weather. So uh, then, you know snow will come so wow <laughs> we'll see well of yeah. course you know i'm on the opposite side of the planet so it's a different situation here it's a very busy time in the garden with all the buds uh, beginning to grow and uh you know it's um early pruning season and planting season and uh, all that sort of stuff and uh, my children are starting to talk about going to the beach and may even be going uh we may even be going tomorrow uh out for for picnics and so on so the weather is getting better here and of course Everything's growing. Uh, I um, have a uh, bird feeding station out the back. And just before we came on, I had uh, a pair of king parrots uh, on the balcony demanding today's uh, rations. So clearly the, uh, the female is gravid, so she, she needs the extra food. So, mm. yeah, thank you very much for that. Well, Alan, this is the School of Sheen podcast, and so we are back today. All right, we talked last time about uh, the book Victory Over Vice, and today we're going to talk about the seven virtues. And before we begin, I'd like to read the little introduction that uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen has given us uh, to the seven virtues. So here we go, quote, these meditations on the seven last words correlated to the seven virtues make no pretense to absoluteness. The words were not necessarily related to the virtues, but they do make convenient points of illustration. This book has only one aim, to, wake, to awaken a love in the passion of our Lord and to incite the practice of virtue. If it does that in but one soul, 
its publication has been justified. Very, very simple, eh? He doesn't mince words. He's there. Okay, I'm going to deliver this message. And, you know, again, I, it makes no pretense that, you know, to try to connect the dots. And because what he did every Lent was he gave a talk on the seven last words, like the seven, you know, reflections over the season of Lent. Mm. So one every week. And he tied it into the seven last words. And so he's tying seven virtues, um, you know, three um, cardinal virtues with four theological virtues mm. with the seven last words. So he, he kind of connects the dots. And you're going to see that as we go through this, just as in our last book study, you saw how he connected the seven deadly sins and provided the antidote for those seven deadly sins through the seven last words. Mm. And so he's going to do that today. And you're going to see how... You go where did he come up with this you know how did he do this but yes, you know, god did it and he mm. just revealed that he he um you know uh found the secret you know so uh, so yes. we're gonna do that so it's yeah, good but fantastic. He, he just hits you and like i say i think as we were saying earlier i mean how providential we're talking about coming to do this and yes it's we all have busy schedules and yet you know we're spending times if we could just help one soul, um, you know, and, and each one of our um, participants today will probably pick up one or two good points mm -hmm. that they can use for years to come. So, uh, again, we'll share that with everyone. So, Indeed. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's also, uh, it's so incredibly important to learn virtue, isn't it? So I'm, I'm always telling people because of my sinful past, you know, I, my testimonies out there, I bear all. I'm always saying that the first step in defeating evil is to name it, right? If we don't know that a sin is a sin, then we cannot possibly begin to defeat it. We need to actually name the sin. And once we know that a sin is a sin, we can have that want to change, but we can't change without that practice of virtue, can we? That's right, yeah. Mm. And you know, I think one thing that we don't talk a lot about is reparation. Mm. Um, you know, I think as we, you know, go on the spiritual journey, uh, we start to realize, you know, I need to make some reparation for my many sins. And so practicing the virtue is that act of reparation to um, just make amends for the sins. And uh, I think this is the whole thing. Yes, we feel sorry for our sins. And we go and we, um, you know, go to confession and, you know, have contrition for our sins. But are we making amends? You know, are mm. we making that act of reparation? And so, uh, to try to practice the virtues in our lives mm. um, is really a great opportunity to practice, um, you know, practice and make reparation. So, um, and I, I think I mentioned this last time. I had the opportunity to go to um, uh, Sheen's personal library, um, and I got to go through his his own notes, his handwritten notes. And I remember seeing a few of his lectures where he would circle the word reparation every time. It was so important. He didn't hmm. want to miss um, that opportunity to preach the need of making reparation. And so, um, yeah, so I think I really took that to heart. So hmm. I think these uh, lessons we'll take today uh, will be, uh, again, a guidepost, hopefully, for us to um, put that in our life to say, I'm going to try to do that. Um, mm. to and, and apply it uh, to towards our great debt that we owe God. I mean, we can never pay him back. So, mm. all right. Very good. All right. So okay. the first virtue then is okay. fortitude. And the words fortitude. from the cross, 
Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They do. Okay. Before we really get into this, I, I oh, want yes. to show, hold up. Of course, people always mm -hmm. ask me, what do the books look like? Um, you know, we're talking about the summer. Like I always assume, oh, everybody knows that book, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I went through my library and I grabbed all the books that contain the seven virtues. So, I mean, if you're rich enough, um, if you, this is the original seven virtues book, it's a little hardcover um, made in 1940. And you can find wow. this on Amazon probably for about 150 bucks. Wow. Um, it's very rare. And, uh, but, you know, many years ago, I was um, working on building the, the collection. And so, you know, I bought it for $20 um, a number of years ago, but now people figured out Oh, Bishop Sheen books are rare, you know, and so this 1940 book, um, you know, I knew that this book hadn't been republished in 80 years, um, 80 years. And so, of course, this is when I found I said, you know what, I need to re-release this. And so uh, this book, I was able to just type into the computer and, of course, uh, make sure there was no copyright issues. And we re-released this book. So uh, this is the original 1940 hardcover. And you now many of you have seen this. This is the um, edition that is sold through Perusia uh, Media. And you'll see it uh, there. And of course, um, on the back cover, I've put um, uh, that beautiful picture of uh, Fulton Sheen by the blackboard. And again, the seven virtues and the seven last words. So uh, this is the one you may have seen on the Perusia Media catalog. And so um, again, we always say everybody should get a copy of this book. Mm. And um, the seven virtues, I originally republished it in my anthology called The Cries of Jesus from the Cross. And many people have seen me on EWTN television with that book. And I mean, I'll hold up and it's the book I'll, I'll use. I've got my tabs all ready to go. And so um, if you ever see my, this is my master you'll see all the highlights, uh, yellow, red, green. Um, there's Excellent. so much good in these Excellent. in this book. So I'm going to be reading some stuff from there. And of course, I, I've got, um, you know, this, this is the, this is my Sheen Bible. And you can find this on on Amazon. It, um, it's not on the Perusia catalog yet, but it's the seven last words explained where I take all nine of Sheen's books on the seven last word and I put it into a nice little 400 page book, but uh, I made it so it's easy reading, bigger print, and uh, you can get this on Amazon Australia, Amazon um, uh, USA, Amazon Canada, everything, you know, for under $20. And so uh, even if you, if you want to make a donation to bishopsheentoday.com, I will send it to you for $20. Mm. And, um, you know, as a special for attending today's class, you know, so uh, anyway, but so people always say, you know, where can I get Sheen? And so there you go. I mean, this is a big book. This has got everything in it. Because, awesome. you know, people are saying, you know, can you be thrifty with me, Al? Can you give me a deal? <laughs> right? So this is the big deal. But uh, anyway, okay, sorry, that was my shame. No, no, that, I got that carried. was good. Yeah. Thank you. No, because I, appreciate I think, it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of these things where, you know, I, you know, I've been selling books for quite some time. And I know it's always, I, I always struggle with, you know, like, call me, I don't want to say I'm cheap. I just want to say I'm thrifty. But sometimes mm -hmm. buying books is the hardest thing to do sometimes it's easy for some people they buy books all the time every show they go to they buy stuff but i'm more of a i like to meter things out you know only buy what i need right so um so it was one of these things but I, at least I show, it's a show and tell thing and so i like to just say okay here's what it looks like 
and here's the places you can buy them. And so I let the Holy Spirit do the rest. So, mm-hmm. all right. So now we can. All right. Okay. So, now, so, okay, so, so, okay. So again, so what Fulton Sheen does is he takes the seven last words mm-hmm. and now he's going to, he's going to attach a virtue to each one. So the first mm-hmm. word from the cross, he says, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So when we went to the seven deadly sins, he was helping us with the sin of anger. And you can see how that is so true. Um, you know, you sin of anger, father, forgive. Okay. Get it. Now it's this whole idea of prudence, not prudence, sorry, but fortitude, fortitude. fortitude. So he's saying, okay, you got to have fortitude to overcome, to connect the dots with, um, father, forgive. Mm. And so you think about fortitude and you think, you know what? Um, yes, our Lord, um, practiced fortitude on the cross and uh in 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 a way that i think we can't even fathom and so tonight i'm going to share quite a few passages from the book because Mm. i i find with fulton sheen um you just read a page and you go that's so true and then you read another paragraph and you go that's so true and sometimes you just have to put these things down but um Mm -hmm. you know i think uh, if you don't mind tonight I, i will read and I may read, you know, a paragraph here and a paragraph there, but I think you'll be glad I did because it really does, um, you know, um, it just kind of, he hits it out of the park uh, with every page. I mean, it's an old expression we use, but. He, he um, truly does. So please do read as much as you yeah. like. Um, you okay. know, at, just like last time, I've, I've got my own sort of highlights and stuff. And right. all too often I was thinking, I, I just ne- need to highlight the entire chapter. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and, I, I love that we're talking about uh, virtue today because uh, life, as people know, have been a little crazy for me at the moment. Been yeah. a host of the spiritual rosary pilgrimage, preparing for the consecration to Saint Joseph, and renovating my house. That time really got away from yeah. me this week, and I thought, oh no, I can't turn up this morning and not have read the book. So in right. the end, what I had to do was set my alarm for six a.m. this morning wow. and get up and spend three hours reading the book. And it's amazing how, um, you know, that effort of mine to make sure that I could come here having done the work, right, was just jumping out of the page at me in the action that I was taking. So to, yeah, please take it right. away, Alan. All right, very good. Yeah, and I was just, um, you know, you saw me typing on the thing here, just, um, I get these, um, nice questions in the chat. And so, I mean, I had a question already to say, you know, how can, um, you know, we get a copy of the seven last words explained and I can send it to you. So people just reach out to email me at my bishopsheentoday.com website. So um, just go to my website, bishopsheentoday, and there you'll just have a section called contact me and you just drop me a line and then I can, you know, get your address and send it out to you. So, um, anyway, and I'll repeat it at the end of the program, right? So, or I'll put it into the chat, but uh, bishopsheentoday.com. All right, so uh, Bishop Sheen writes, he says, a fortitude may be defined as the virtue that enables us to face undismayed and fearlessly the difficulties and dangers that stand in the way of our duty and goodness. It stands midway between foolhardiness, which rushes into danger heedlessly, and cowardice, which flees from its requ- 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 So sometimes Bishop Jean uses these 
big words. Okay? Um, because fortitude is related to bravery, it must not be thought that bravery is devoid of fear. Rather, it is control of fear. Fortitude is of two kinds, depending on whether it is directed to a natural good or a supernatural good. A soldier, for example, who braves the dangers of battle for love of country practices natural fortitude. But the saint who overcomes all difficulties and dangers for the sake of the glory of God and the salvation of his own soul practices supernatural fortitude. And so I think I love how he explains what fortitude is. And, um, mm. and then you'll start to see just how uh, it applies so beautifully to our Lord. Mm. He showed this great bravery to just, again, to think of that journey he had to go through just to get to the cross, to carry his cross, you know, on the Via Della Rosa, um, to just keep focused on his mission uh, because he came into this world to die. I think we sometimes forget that. You and I came into this world to live, but our blessed Lord came in this world to die. That was his mission. And so you had that intestinal fortitude to say, I need to continue. I need to go on the Via Della Rosa and again, be put on the cross and die on the cross. But again, that gives that great example for us to say, what kind of fortitude do you have? Do you want to carry your cross with great bravery? Uh, just as our Lord did. So you can see how Fulton Sheen starting to stir our hearts here just in the first mm. uh, few paragraphs. So, um, mm. you know, I don't know if there's something there, um, Herman, that um, you wanted to add or if there's something well, no, a bit I, later. I just love that we, we had both highlighted the same passage. <laughs> yes. But uh, the only thing I would then mention is that uh, later on Fulton Sheen um, uh, mentions that uh, being truly a man, he he felt the fear every normal man fear, fears, feels in the face of danger. And then that quote from Matthew, if it be possible, let this chalice pass from me. Um, it's, uh, it's a strange thing to, to think of our Lord being fearful. Right, right. Um, you know, and I think of being fearful, I think of the good thief that was on his side. Mm. Um, you know, I think the scales were falling off his eyes and he started, was starting to realize he was paying for um, you know, his own crimes. Uh, but I think it's this idea of, um, you know, and Fulton Sheen makes this clear in this um, um, chapter. He says, scripture does not record that anyone except the thief on the right, within the hearing of that cry, Father, forgive, repented or even regretted driving the nails and unfurling the flag of the cross to the four winds of the world. There is not a single record that anyone else expressed the desire to follow him or that they were touched by his calmness under fire. And I think this is what the good thief saw. He saw our Lord forgive his executioners. And it was those words, Father, forgive, that touched his heart mm -hmm. to the point where the good thief saw the fortitude, saw mm -hmm. the great love, and of course was our Lord's first convert on the cross. Mm. Um, and again, Sheen makes mention, no one else converted after those words, but the good thief did. And so I think this is what inspires us to uh, practice for it too, because of those words, because we too could help possibly save a soul by our holy example, just as our Lord saved a soul by his example. So 
again, something to ponder there. And again, this is why I think you read this and go, I got to put this down. This is just so great. So, um, and that's what Sheen is like throughout the whole, the whole book, the whole book. So uh, yes. anyway. And of course, right. once, uh, once the good thief then hears the words of Jesus, this day you will be with me in paradise. There's, there's then no longer need to fear death, is there? There isn't. Yeah. And I think this is one thing that we find just, you know, on a note about COVID, you know, I think you start to see again, a Christian is not afraid to die. Um, yet the world is afraid to die. You know, I think people who don't have the faith, um, are, I, I guess, are, are just uh, overtaken by fear, that fear of dying, dying. But yet our Lord shows us how to die well, you know, and um, to finish well. But still, I think, again, if we can take anything away, is to hopefully practice that virtue in itself to not be afraid to die and uh, to know that God has this covered. So um, again, I just go back to Sheen's wisdom that uh, all of us come into this world to live. We all want to live. And I think, you know, it's a natural thing because we were born to be made for all eternity, <laughs> to have lived forever, you know, and hopefully that's with him forever. Uh, but still, uh, again, it's, um, it's hard not to worry sometimes. I think we all kind of worry about dying, you know. <laughs> but uh, Of course, and Jesus, you know, he shows us that, that in his intellect, yes. he knows that the suffering he's about to go through is going to be intensely painful. And thus he yeah. cries, if this chalice can pass, all right, but then his will takes over. His act of the will, his divine uh, will mm -hmm. now says, thy will be done, not mine. Yeah. Right, right. All right. Um, you know, again, these um, sometimes pithy sayings that mm -hmm. Fulton Sheen will come up with throughout this chapter. But, um, you know, he, he talks about, again, life is a challenge. And uh, again, the true followers of Christ were meant to be at odds with the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he always warned us that if you come and follow me, there's going to be a price that you have to pay. And uh, he says also here, not a single sentence can be found in the words of our divine Lord, promising you the love of the world because of your faith. But you can find a golden string of text warning you that the world will hate you because you are his. And I think we need to remind ourselves to say, yep, if I'm going to love Jesus, I'm going to pay a price. I'm going to pay a price. So, um, and this is the thing. So we, we need to practice fortitude because it is a challenge. Uh, you know, the world, you know, hated the Lord first, and sometimes they'll hate us because of our association with him. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll finish with just another passage that I think, um, you know, emphasizes this um, sometimes persecution that we experience. And I think that's why it's so mm -hmm. important to think of the virtue of fortitude. But uh, Sheen talks about, um, you know, there's people here, he says, if they joined a crazy cult or became a sun worshiper or a yogi follower or founded a new religion, their friends would say that they acted within their constitutional right. But when they join the church, some will say that they lost their minds as they told our Lord he had a devil. Why this revolution of attitude once the threshold of the church has been passed? very simply because entering into the church lifts us up into another world, the supernatural world. It gives us a new set of values, a new objective, new ways of thinking, 
new standards of judgment, all of which are in opposition to the spirit of the world. The world with its hatred of discipline, the courtesy to the flesh, and to its indifference to truth cannot tolerate a life based upon the primacy of Christ and the salvation of souls. Our Lord's words from the gospel say, I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. If you had been of the world, the world would love you as its own. But know, but know ye that it hath hated me before you. And of course, that's from John's gospel. Mm. Uh, most people today want a religion that suits the way they live rather than the one that makes demands upon them. And isn't that so true? You know, mm -hmm. everybody wants mm -hmm. to have their own designer religion, you know, and they mm -hmm. say, oh, the church is too hard. Being Catholic's too hard, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it is hard. <laughs> it is, <laughs> but it's worth it. It's worth it. So <laughs> anyway. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I, one of the passages I had to, to highlight, particularly as a pain sufferer, is, uh, is this one. Uh, the true followers of Christ were meant to be at odds with the world. Uh, the, the pure of heart will be laughed at by the Freudians. The meek will be scorned at by the Marxist. The humble will be walked on by the go-getters. The liberal Sadducees will call them reactionaries. The reactionary Pharisees will call them liberals. And so the Lord warned... Blessed are ye when they shall revile you and persecute you and speak all that is evil against you untruly for my sake. Be glad and rejoice, for your reward is very great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets that were before you. From the Gospel of Matthew. So, yeah, thank right. you. Yeah, so there we have it. But you can start to see now. Okay, Father, forgive mm. them, for they know not what they do. And our Lord leads by example and practice fortitude. So, yeah. All right. He's, he's we very go. he's very clear on what we will suffer uh, to follow him, but uh, he he gives us that hope, doesn't he? He constantly reminds yeah. us of what awaits us. Yeah, and I think it's just you know, honestly, I mean, fortitude is is one of the hardest ones to practice. Per, like I I find because I just kind of go oh, sacrifice, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> stick to it uh, like. A lot of times it's just, I want the easy way. I want the mm. easy way, you know? Mm. I, I, and again, I pray every day. I say, Lord, please make it easy. My mm. kids giggle every time I pray, but I just always just say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, please make it easy. Amen. Mm. And so I just, I want it easy, you know? And um, so this one is a half, this one's a hard one for me, but mm. um, it's necessary. It's necessary. So uh, take up your cross and follow me. But uh, anyway, pray for me, okay? <laughs> and I'll pray for you, okay? There we go. Uh, please, please pray for me, particularly as we move into the next virtue, because okay. yeah, the next one is is probably the most difficult for me. Yeah. Well, no, hope. Okay, so, so the second word from the cross mm -hmm. our Lord uses, he says, to the good thief, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Um, and, of course, it's, he says, amen, amen, I say to you. Mm. this day you'll be with me in paradise and so whenever our lord says amen mm. it, it means something right so mm. uh so what fulton sheen then wants to reveal is how this second word from the cross will help inspire you to practice the virtue of hope and again it is one of the cardinal virtues you know mm -hmm. faith hope and charity so uh it's an important one so mm -hmm. uh, let me share a little bit of sheen's wisdom here from this chapter Please. on hope he says uh our concerns presently is with two kinds of souls, the despairing 
and the presumptuous. Those who say, I'm too wicked for God to be interested in me. And those who say, oh, I need not worry about my sins. God will take good care of me in the end. But these statements are sins of exaggeration. The first is the sin of despair, which exaggerates divine justice. The second is the sin of presumption, which exaggerates divine mercy. Somewhere there is a golden mean where justice and mercy kiss, as the psalmist puts it. And that is the virtue of hope. And so he starts off with a bang there, you know, because I think we know these two types of people. Yes. I got friends like this all the time that, um, you know, say, I'm too wicked for God to be interested in me. Come on, you know, give it up, give it up. And then the other person that goes, sin, no problem. Mm. God's going to forgive me in the end. Didn't you hear? Everybody gets to heaven. Hey, mm -hmm. come on. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so it kind of goes, hey, I know to people like that. <laughs> I know yes. people and, you know, not me, of course, never <laughs> not me, you know, <laughs> not not Matthew. No, 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 nobody in the room here. Right. But again, he he starts it off and he says, remember, these are exaggerations. And mm -hmm. and again, he wants us to be humble. He wants us to uh, be like the good thief, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, have that contrition and sorrow and recognize the Lord and have hope in him, because that's really this is the key is that the good thief had hope in the Lord and trusted in him. And that's why he said, please remember me. Remember me when you enter your kingdom. He was hoping in the Savior. And of course, our Lord said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. So uh, again, a great uh, way to start. And I'll add to that Sheen writes, he goes, the virtue of hope, however, is centered in the will and may be defined as a divinely infused disposition of the will by which, with sure confidence, thanks to the powerful help of the Almighty God, we expect to pursue eternal happiness using all the means necessary for attaining it. The virtue of hope lies not in the future of time, but beyond the tomb in eternity. Its object is not the abundant life of earth, but the eternal, the eternal love of God. And I think that's where we have to really like our focus is that it's mm. that hope to be with him forever in heaven. And uh, again, he is our joy. And hopefully, again, we will be with him for all eternity. So again, a great way to start um, on that one. Uh, Matthew, I didn't know if there was something in this passage. I know you um, were saying. <laughs> <laughs> again, we've, we've highlighted the same passages. All I, all I can give is a resounding uh, amen. You know, I... I when I first came back to the church um, and discovering that, you know, that things weren't much different from the church that I left and the church was in a great deal of mess, um, despair was something I took the, to the confessional quite often. So it, it mm. is definitely something I have, uh, I have struggled with quite a bit. And it truly is the, the practice of hope and the prayer, Lord, increase my hope uh, that, um, yeah, that really sustains me these days and has me confessing despair a lot less. Right. I'm going to share something here that kind of, you know, caught me when I first read it many years ago. Um, and it's this, it's, a, it's about a, a spiritual development. And so Sheen says here, he goes, the spiritual development of the thief on the right reveals how hope is born first out of fear, then out of faith. 
his conversion began the moment he feared. The fear of God, of which this robber spoke, was not a servile fear that God would punish him um, for his thefts. It was rather a filial fear based on reverence, a fear of displeasing him who had done nothing to deserve such a humiliating death. There is the first lesson. Hope begins with fear. Hope involves fear because hope is not certainty. We can, of course, be certain God will help us and give us sufficient strength to be saved, but we cannot be sure that we will always be faithful to his grace. God will not fail us. We need have no fear on that score, but we may fail God. And of course, the scripture that we always think of, the fear of the Lord is wisdom. And so mm. I think it's that mm. whole idea of he had to be afraid first, and then wisdom entered into his soul. And of course, he saw the Lord as king. And so I think it's this one thing is, how often do we really, really fear? You mm. know, does, do we have fear? And I, I, I find people aren't afraid sometimes. They're not afraid of hell. They're not afraid of, um, you know, um, spending all eternity you know it's mm -hmm. like i mean it's just they don't have fear and so mm -hmm. it's sometimes a very it's a grace but uh, she mm -hmm. makes it very clear everything started with when the good thief was finally afraid fear hit him. he was then fearing i'm going to die mm -hmm. and then of course it's it uh, you know catapulted him into this next level of um you know of course having wisdom so i think it's something we need to contemplate a little bit you, you you've really touched on something there how the two are related you know we can have this kind of false idea in the church that you know because god is love um we have no need to fear him but c.s lewis i forget which book it is so please forgive me um points out the otherness of god he points out that if we were in a room with a hungry tiger we would have a very natural fear if we're in a room with a ghost, right, that fear might be elevated to a preternatural fear, but God is above even those. He is so other that to have a healthy and holy fear of the Lord is, in fact, the beginning of wisdom. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what you have brought up and what Sheen is telling us here, right? Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I still going into that a topic of despair and presumption, uh, Sheen kind of compares the two thieves here. He says, the two thieves there were, one who loved and one who hated. Naturally, we know, of course, um, again, the bad thief was teasing, I mean, I said, taunting the Lord, saying, mm -hmm. if you be the Christ, get us down. And um, of course, the good thief rebuked his fellow thief and said, do you not fear God? Um, you know, we deserve this punishment. Uh, but Sheen says there were these two thieves, one who loved and one who hated. Each was on a cross. Neither the good nor the bad ever escaped the cross. One thief was saved, therefore let no one despair. One thief was lost, therefore let no one presume. The two extremes to be avoided then are presumption and despair. Presumption is an excess of hope and despair is a defect of hope. Presumption is an inordinate trust in divine mercy, a hope of pardon without repentance, a heaven without merit. Merit. Sheen also writes, when you make the statement God is good, what do you mean? Only this, 
God is insensible to evil. He is good because he is unmindful of my wickedness. You forget that God is good precisely because he is the enemy of evil. A healthy man is not indifferent to disease, nor is a government good because it ignores crimes and injustice. Why then should you think that God will be complacent about that which you refuse to accept in others? If you really believe that God is good, would you not be scrupulous about offending him? Do you not do, you not do that much for your friends? The nobler a person is, the more you dread offending him. Even for those whom you do not love, you show respect. And so yeah. Sheen, again, really stresses with us that, um, you know, uh, God is the enemy of evil. Okay, <laughs> like mm-hmm. he came to defeat the devil. And, uh, you know, we have to have that same mindset of defeating the devil and overcoming evil. And God is good because he is devoid of evil. He hates evil, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we have to remember that. I think sometimes we Mm -hmm. go through life not really uh, detesting evil. We kind of Mm -hmm. uh, make it our friend or it becomes, you know, comfortable, We, you know, where our Lord is... um, came to defeat the devil on this but again yeah a a, a line that really jumped out um at me too that which you have just read is that presumption is an inordinate trust in divine mercy a hope of pardon without repentance a heaven without merit and uh i have found from personal experience having come home via protestantism that the insidious doctrine of once saved always saved um automatically and naturally leads to this sin of presumption. And I find that, uh, that, that there are far too many Protestants who are committing this sin of pres- presumption. We hope and pray that they are doing it in ignorance. But for those who are doing it in you know, complete defiance of God, uh, there's, there's real consequences because the sin of presumption is indeed a sin. Right. Yeah. And mm. I'll share another line, of, of course, mm. that ties in so beautifully there. And uh, Sheen, you know, challenges people when he says, you know, we cannot love sin during life and begin to love virtue at death. He's, he's kind of saying, don't, mm. don't you think somehow that you can just mm. be sin, 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 sin. And then in the last week of your life, you go, oh, I'll fix all that. I'll, I'll become mm. really virtuous at the end, you know? So uh, he warns us that uh, to not do that. And I'll repeat that. We cannot love sin during life and begin to love virtue at death. Mm-hmm. Uh, the joys of heaven are the continuance of the childlike joys of earth. We do not develop a new set of loves with our last breath. We shall reap in eternity only what we sowed on earth. If we love sin, we shall reap corruption, but we shall never gather grapes from thistles. Then let us not, our presuming moderns, who pile sin on sin, think that they can insult God until their lease on life has run out, and then expect an eternal lease on one of the Father's mansions. Did he who went to heaven by a cross intend that you should go there by sinning? Um, Let us not consider the, uh, he says, um, go there by sinning. And he says, as presumption forgets divine justice, so despair forgets divine mercy. But again, Sheen is kind of just really saying, don't be thinking 
that you can live that life of uh, crazy sin mm -hmm. and expect that you get keys to the mansion. Okay. It doesn't mm -hmm. work that way. Heaven is for those who have worked towards heaven. And I think that's, that was something that's, that's hard to stomach. Cause I think a lot of us think, no, 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 no. God is merciful. Yeah. He's got to let me in. I, you know, I know I, I should have converted and changed my life maybe 10 years earlier, but he can't, he can't not take me. He's got to take me. And so she, when you read these words, you go, this is serious. That's this, it. This yeah. Is, life is know. not just killing time till death. Yeah. There's something much more serious going on here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this is where, again, this whole idea of presumption, be mm. careful and despair. Don't be despairing. We have mm. to have hope. And so, um, I, you know, I think Sheen um, repeats himself but for a reason because he's a good teacher. He's a good teacher there. And uh, so, again, I think, um, um, you know, I think this was, I'll end with this, this line here from this chapter. And uh, Fulton Sheen writes, he says, if he, if he forgave the thief and Magdalene and Peter, why not you? What makes many an old age sad is not that their joys are gone, but their hopes are gone. Your earthly hopes may decrease with the years, but not your heavenly hope. Regardless of the sinful burden of the years, God's mercy is greater than your faults. Only when God ceases to be infinitely merciful, and only when you begin to be infinitely evil, will there be reason for despair, and that will be never. Peter denied our Lord, but our Lord did not deny Peter. The thief cursed Christ, but he did not curse the thief. If we have never sinned, we could never call Christ Savior. So he does give us hope in the end there. That, um, but again, I think he is... Um, he doesn't want to let us off the hook too easy here. You know, yes. we're going to have to work on this. And we, um, we are to cooperate with grace. Right. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So much here. I mean, um, sometimes when I think of these lesson plans and, you know, we, we, when, of course, Matthew, you said, can you come and talk about the seven virtues? I go, it might take us an hour and a half, you know, <laughs> just, just to give it justice. But you kind of said, well, it's morning in Australia. We got time, you know. There's, there's so, no complaints here. Yeah. No complaints here. Yeah. <laughs> the more yeah. we learn about virtue, the better, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I think there, there is a scripture passage that I think can console us here. Um, when our Lord, it, it, he calls it the divine uh, invitation. Uh, Come to me, all you that labor and are burdened, and I will refresh you. You know, I think that's one thing I have to just, I, I love that scripture. Come to me, all you that labor and are burdened, and I will refresh you. Uh, this is difficult, this journey with our Lord. Yet he's inviting us to, um, you know, take, take up your cross, follow me. I, you, you know, what he said, your, my, your, <laughs> my yoke is easy, my burden light. And um, again, that's, these are all things I have to remind myself, remind myself on this. So, um, Again, uh, Fulton Sheen is knowing that we will have that moment of sorrow, and it's important there. I think when I look at his words of, of um, just uh, encouraging us, and uh, I, I just I'll add this. He says, he says, if you insist 
that you are disgusted with yourself. And, you know, of course, we all have those moments where we, uh, you know, have our examination of conscience and we kind of uh, maybe have a little bit of a pity party, but we're more, I think, disgusted with ourselves or disappointed. He says, remember that you can come to God even by a succession of disgust. What does your disgust mean except that everything earthly has failed you? That is one of the ways God makes you feel hungry for the divine. Do you not crave food most when you are hungry? Do you not want water most when you are thirsty? Your own disgust, if you knew it, is that distant call of divine mercy. If then the poverty of your merits makes you shrink from the divine presence, then let your needs draw you near to him. The principal reason for the increase of nervous disorders in the world is due to hidden guilt or unatoned sin locked on the inside until it festers. These souls are running off to psychoanalysis to have their sins explained away when what they really need is to get down on their knees and get right themselves with God. When disgusted with our sins, we can go into a confessional, become our own accuser, hear the words of absolution our Lord himself gave, make amends and start life all over again. For none of us want our sins explained away. We want them forgiven. That is the miracle of the sacrament of penance and the rekindling of hope. And so again, he ends there to say, you want hope? Go to confession. Go to confession, right? Amen. And um, again, our Lord can, um, you know, Fulton Sheen was famous for the blackboard. And he would always say, you know, it's easier for God to write on a blank blackboard uh, than one that has a bunch of scribbles on it. So go to confession, get the slate wiped clean, and then the Lord can write on the clean slate. So uh, again, great, great way to end that chapter. So I went a little bit over, I'm sorry, but I think this is so important. I mean, the good thief is one of my favorite uh, characters in the Bible. And uh, because again, it's just, um, it it gives me hope. I think we're all kind of scoundrels and thieves and yet, uh, and sometimes uh, deserving, you know, that we deserve the punishment that we get, but still, to have that exchange. I love how the good thief had that moment of uh, not being afraid to uh, reprimand his fellow thief. And I wish I had the same courage to, um, you know, kind of correct some people that are in my, that are in my circle. And so, um, you know, it's, it's one of these things it's um, you know, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. But um, again, if I, I look to who my, the heroes are in my life, the good thief is one of my heroes. He's taught me many good lessons. So fantastic. Okay. All, All right. right. We will, we will continue. And so now we're yes. on to the third word of the cross. Mm-hmm. And of course it's the words of exchange where, um, you know, of course our Lord says to St. John and the blessed Virgin Mary, woman, behold your son and to the apostle he loved, behold your mother. Mm-hmm. And so uh, these are beautiful words. And of course what Fulton Sheen wants to uh, attach the virtue is the virtue of prudence. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is something that we don't um, um, practice much. Prudence is kind of like you always think, well, what do you mean by that? Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, when you start to realize how our Lord had great prudence and that he left us his mother, um, I think there's a lot to be explained there. So, um, so that's the deal on that one. But um, I will share that. It sounds like your son's in the background having a great time. 
Yes, I'm now wondering at the prudence of doing these recordings whilst uh, children are in lockdown. <laughs> oh yes, okay. Well, um, you you have you have my permission to go and tell them to shut up. <laughs> I'm tempted to do it on the recording, but uh, you okay, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, hopefully well, my hopefully my wife will deal with it very soon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but you know what? This is again. This is like church. There's always going to be a child crying and trying to give a homily, and then there's the the, the child that comes up. So it's all perfect, you know. There's that one Fulton Sheen joke. He said, um, you know, uh, Fulton Sheen was giving a homily, and then all of a sudden he um, saw a mother and child get up to leave, and and um, you know he said. No, you don't have to leave. You know, um, the child's not bothering me. The child's not bothering me. And then the mother looked to Fulton Sheen and says, but you're bothering my child. You know, and so, and so, um, so naturally, you know, that was a great joke. So maybe, maybe I'm bothering your child. I don't know. (laughs) Probably. No, no. Okay. That's good. Okay. Okay. So back to our lesson on prudence here. So, Mm. um, so of course the woman beholds your son, son beholds your mother. And again, the virtue of prudence. Uh, Sheen says here, he begins the chapter by saying, the greatest crisis in the history of the world was the arrest and conviction of a man found guilty of no other charge than an excess of love. What was tragic about the crisis reaching from the garden to the cross was that man failed. And uh, again, Fulton Sheen sometimes uh, talks about how women in the scriptures never failed. They never failed, especially the Blessed Mother. And he says, but though men failed in this crisis, there is no incense of a woman failing. And he mentions this in the scripture. He says, in the four trials, in the four trials, the voice heard in his defense was that of a woman, Claudia Procul, who was the wife of Pontius Pilate, warning her of her husband not to do anything against the unjust Um, anything unjust to this just man events prove that the politician was wrong and the woman was right and so um, I know I I think for all the men watching we're getting a little nervous here but well um, uh, yeah I I would I would say to to that quote and and I've I've highlighted it my myself um, Mm -hmm. I I would say as a man um ouch (laughs) ouch but you know again he gives the example of the holy women as our Mm -hmm. lord was on the way to Calvary, and they were there to support him. And of course, his mother was at the foot of the cross um, to, uh, again, to uh, be a source of strength um, for him. So again, women do not fail, but especially in this case, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so um, speaking of Our Lady, uh, Fulton Sheen writes so beautifully here. He says, on the cross was wisdom incarnate, dying that we might live. If our Savior could have thought of any better means of leading us back to him, he would have put us in in any other hands than hers. There are many falsehoods told about the Catholic Church. One of them is that Catholics adore Mary. This is absolutely untrue. Mary is a creature, human, not divine. Catholics do not adore Mary. That would be idolatry but they do reverence her. And to those Christians who have forgotten Mary, may we ask if it is proper for them to forget her whom Christ remembered on the cross? Will they bear no love for that woman through the portholes of whose flesh 
as the gate of heaven he came to earth? One of the reasons so many Christians have lost their belief in the divinity of Christ is because they have lost all affection for her upon whose white body as a tower of ivory that infant climbed to kiss upon her lips a mystical rose. There is not a Christian in the world who reverences Mary, who does not acknowledge Jesus, her son, to be in true the son of the living God. The prudent Christ on the cross knew the prudent way to preserve belief in his divinity, for whom better than a mother knows her son. The gift of Mary did something to man, for it gave him an ideal love. And so again, he just um, knocks it out of the park there. He defends the church and says, you know, Catholics do not worship Mary. They reverence her. So he corrects literally millions of people who read this and listen to him on the radio when he gave this address. And two, he just says, you know, who better to take um, the soul to Christ than the mother to teach that soul? Mm. And uh, I know Fulton Sheen um, a lot of times says, let's do the math together. And he, again, is trying to stress the importance of Mary. He says, you know, our blessed Lord spent three hours on the cross redeeming the world. Uh, but he spent three years in his public ministry teaching and preaching. But he spent 30 years of his life with her, mm. being formed by her. So the majority of his time was being with her. So if you want to become like Christ then who better to go to than Mary to be formed like him? And uh, again, this was, uh, I think sometimes that you kind of don't really have a defense to that Mm. because when you do the math, you go, that's so true. Mm. That's so true. Mm. And that's what Fulton Sheen was saying. Go to Mary. So we had uh, a frozen screen there for a moment. So uh, I, I paused the recording momentarily. Alan, if you could repeat your uh, your last sentiment. Right. I was talking about doing the math and that, um, mm. you know, Fulton Sheen, of course, stressed that um, our blessed Lord spent 30 years uh, being formed by our blessed uh, mother. Mm. And that if we desire to be uh, Christ-like, uh, who better to train us in becoming little Christ than the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so um, it's just, again, a very uh, good incentive um, to uh, go to her, to go to her. So, and I said earlier, of course, how Fulton Sheen corrects many people. Uh, There's that famous quote that, um, you know, there's truly only a hundred people in the United States of America that truly hate the Catholic Church, but there are millions who hate what they think the Catholic Church is. And uh, again, Fulton Sheen wants to correct people every chance he gets. So, uh, so there you go. But this whole lesson on prudence, um, mm. you know, you always say, what's the prudent thing to do? Mm. And of course, our blessed Lord was saying, uh, who better, if I got to put you in anybody's hands to take care of you and to get you to heaven, I'll give you to my mother. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that that's prudence right there, you know? And I think that's where, you know, how do I practice prudence? Um, include the Blessed Virgin Mary in my conversations and my, my prayers and uh, to have her by my side. Um, that's the prudent thing to do. And so, uh, again, easier said than done, but at mm. least Fulton Sheen gives us the map to say, okay, here you go. Here you go. 
Mm. Yeah. No matter who we are, male or female, we can learn a lot from the Blessed Mother. Yes, very much. And you can see how technology, the devil doesn't love the Blessed Mother. He (laughs) hates her. And so, of course, the the technology glitch, you know, the freeze of the screen. But, you know, I think for our family here, the people that are watching this live, um, you get it. You know the spiritual warfare that we're in and uh, that uh, technology... um, it's fleeting sometimes. Sometimes it can be rock solid mm-hmm. and other times uh, you can have issues. But uh, already, I think from these first three words, we're seeing how Fulton Sheen is very pastoral. He's, uh, he's trying to coach us along. He's you know saying, I'm going to show you how to overcome the sins with the seven last words. And I'm going to show you how to practice virtue, but just keep meditating on the cross. And these virtues will come to you hopefully in time but uh, still you'll benefit. So uh, we'll now go to the fourth word from the cross and the virtue. And so the fourth word from the cross was when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And naturally the virtue he wants to us to practice is the virtue of faith. Mm. And so, you know, you always think, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have faith, have faith, you know, uh, as it says behind me, pray to us, don't worry, you know. Uh, have faith. So um, we'll unpackage this a little bit now. Mm, and nice. uh, again, my my, um, I'm so glad that everybody is sticking with us. And I think <laughs> sometimes, you know, uh, an hour can go by so quickly, you know, we're kind it of really, it, yeah, just, it does. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the clock and saying, we've been talking about this for an hour here. And so, um, and I've only been reading just a few passages. I mean, mm-hmm. um, the book, if you if you had the time to read it cover to cover, it takes about three hours. And, That's what uh, I found this morning, exactly. Yeah. And, and and but at the same time, you know, it took me over three hours because I was pausing uh, to to do highlights. But in reality, yeah. I was thinking I, I need to take three days to read this book. Great, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why, um, you know, I give people uh, these reflections during Lent, and some people will just take the seven virtues for the whole season of Lent, mm-hmm. and they'll just say, you know, in the week one of the Lent. I will just work on the virtue of fortitude. And then week two, I'll work on the virtue of hope and then week three prudence. And, and they go through that. So this book can be just your Lenten 2022, you know, uh, series. I mean, that's what Fulton Sheen did every Lent. He did um, a different series of talks with a different theme. So um, again, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. And okay, so, uh, you may just have given me an idea for our, uh, for our Lenten pilgrimage for 2022 as well. So well, look out, Alan. <laughs> okay. All right. Very good. Okay. So we're continuing now. We're going to try to see how Fulton Sheen wants to teach us about the virtue of faith. Hmm. And so he begins the chapter by uh, saying this. He says, how many who profess nor formal religion could tell what they disbelieve? The question is put that we... That the question is put that way because years ago, many who did not have faith knew what they disbelieved and why. Today, those who do not have faith do not even know what they disbelieve. Having abandoned all certitudes, they have no standards by which to judge even their own agnosticism. And, you know, this is so true. I think it's like if I asked a Catholic, what do you believe? Uh, many of us would go, um, 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 I, I believe um, 
that um, it's just, it's good to be Catholic, you know, it's like, it's, you know, like, like, and I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating here, but um, a lot of us can't even tell people what we believe, you know, like, mm. do you, I mean, the best answer I ever heard was, um, it was a priest that said, okay, uh, okay, you can take that call, right? Uh, the best answer was a priest, he says, if you ever get that question, and people say, what do you believe? You just say this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he's uh, seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he'll come to judge the living and the dead. Yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, oh, and the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. That's what I believe. There you go. That's right. In in fact, it's in the title. It's called Credo. I believe. (laughs) I believe. Okay. Yeah. But so so that was, that helped me because Mm. when people Mm. would ask me that question, what do you, what do you believe? I go, I just go to church on Sunday and (laughs) like, you know, and so we have a hard time saying what we believe. But then the agnostics and the, you know, the people that don't have any, well, what do you disbelieve in? <laughs> or mm. what do you believe in? And they have the same problem too, mm. because we're very shallow. We're living on the surface of our souls, I think, sometimes. So um, this is why I think this, again, this virtue of faith um, is so important. It's so important. Mm. So, mm. again, he, he gets our attention right at the beginning of the chapter, right? Mm. And um, and so... Um, I'm just gonna go. Yeah, go ahead. There, there was there was one that you know immediately after reading that it's just on the very next page where it just jumps out at me. You know, faith is not as too many believe an emotional trust. It is not a belief that something will happen to you. It is not even a will to believe despite difficulties. Rather, faith is the acceptance of a truth on the authority of God revealing. It therefore presupposes reason. And that's what I found. I, was, I wasn't given faith and reason when I was growing up as a child, but it was this faith and reason that certainly brought me home. I wanted to find the reasons. I was searching for truth. And when you do that and discover the reasons for the Catholic faith, suddenly it becomes most attractive. Right, right. And, you know, I think it's this sense of, you know, when we think about faith, um, you know, and again, I'll, I'll use Fulton Sheen's word here is because he does it better than me. He goes, um, he says, the only times some people think of God is when they're in trouble hmm. or when their pocketbook is empty or they have a chance to make it a little fatter. They flatter themselves that at such moments they have faith when really they have only earthly hope for good love. Um, He goes, scripture states that when they crucified Christ, darkness covered the whole earth. That is exactly the description of our modern world. If the darkness of despair, the blackouts of peace, make our world wonder blindly, it is because we have crucified the light of the world. Witness within the last 20 years, and now Fulton Sheen was writing this in 1940, how religion was nailed to a cross in Russia, scourged in Germany, crowned with thorns in Spain, 
martyred in Poland and lashed in Mexico. No wonder our statements, state, our statesmen know not which way to turn. They are either putting out or permitting to be put out the only light that illumines the pathway of justice and peace. It may be that our woes are the last stage of sin. For a century or more, governments and people have abandoned God. Now God is abandoning them. It is a terrible punishment when a just God strikes, but it is a more terrible when he does not, but leaves us alone in our own devices to work out the full consequence of our sins. We are at the end of a tradition and a civilization that believes we could preserve Christianity without Christ, religion without a creed, meditation without sacrifice, family life without moral responsibility, sex without purity, and economics without ethics. We have completed our experiment of living without God and have proven the fallacy of a system of education that calls itself progressive because it finds new excuses for sin. And so I think he, you always say, he, oh, he wrote this in 1940, but it's the year 2021 and, and he's yeah, getting it right. It's, and, it's and, one of those Fulton Sheens that these days we would just call a mic drop. Yeah, mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But again, I have to read that last line. Mm. We have completed our experiment of living without God and have proven the fallacy of a system of education that calls itself progressive because it finds new excuses for sins. So, um, you know, it's, it's mm. terrible. It's crazy. Mm. But again, this is why I think it took you a little extra time to read the book because you have to keep reading that and putting it down. Oh, putting it down. Absolutely. And, and the other thing that's, uh, that's uh, surprised me is uh, the level of uh, humour I sometimes find. Uh, there was one uh, instance in this chapter a little earlier on where I just couldn't help but laugh out loud. And that was, a Catholic may be defined as one who made the startling discovery that God knows more than he does. I, ah. that, that describes me. Quite apt. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that was one of the prayers they taught us, I think, at a men's conference. Mm. And they said, men, can I just give you an, you know, one little tip? Mm. Every morning, wake up, kneel at your bedside and say this prayer. God, you're God. I'm not. <laughs> Help me on my day. You know, it's like you just have to admit that mm. you're, who, you're who you are and he's God and you're not. So get that straight, okay? Remember, <laughs> and mm. let God be God. Let God be mm. God. So mm. there you go. So again, we need to have faith. Faith in Amen. the Lord, faith in him. So um, again, but those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. We always think, oh, despair. This is the mm. Lord crying out. But, mm -hmm. you know, he's beginning the, I think it's 22nd Psalm, mm. where it begins with despair and ends with victory. So yes but yeah. we need to have faith. We need to have faith. Mm. Okay. So we continue along and then he comes to the fifth word from the cross where he says the words, I thirst. And so naturally when you think of what that virtue would be, you think of the virtue of temperance, um, mm. temperance, because, you know, we, we of course tackled the sin of gluttony um, in the last book study. And of course the Lord's saying, I thirst that he thirsts for relationship with us where we thirst for everything in the world. 
But here again, he's wanting to temper that to say, don't be so crazy about sports and entertainment and money and all this other stuff that you need to practice temperance and self-control. And um, um, again, very difficult. So he ends the chapter by saying, there is a world of difference between what we need and what we want. We need those things that are essential for a normal, comfortable human existence, but we want more than that. Our needs are quickly satisfied, but our wants rarely are. And so he knows the human condition there. And uh, of course, well. uh, mm. yeah. So then we have that, um, you know, and so I think it's this sense of, you know, there's so many passions and really passions that we have to um to tackle we have to tackle and you know um i think i think you know people always are on a diet craze you know it's kind of like when they think of gluttony and um you know just restricting their diet and then of course the virtue of of practicing um you know temperance um he makes mention to dieting here so uh, of course Mm -hmm. he gets everybody attention here he says the tragedy of so much dieting Mm -hmm. uh, from a catholic point of view is how much restraint, or shall we say fat, goes to waste. <laughs> um, that is a that sense of humor there, right? This, <laughs> because, was, this was another one where I laughed, yes. <laughs> yeah, because, because that is why one of the first questions in our catechism is, of which should we take more care, our soul or our body? And the answer is, we should take more care of our soul. For what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world? and suffer the loss of his immortal soul. And so, um, you know, and he says here, you know, the basis of the Catholic secret of temperance and discipline is exchange. Mm. All life is founded on exchange. What exchange shall a man give? And I think this is where he gives us the incentive to say, let's do an exchange. You give this up and you receive that. You know, I think of communion. We give God our time. He gives us his eternity. You know, we, you know, it's just, it's just this beautiful exchange. It's an exchange. And so I think that's what was so beautiful when I read that mm. is that we need to know that um, it's an opportunity for an exchange, but God will give us the grace. Um, mm. Again, we just have to make that little sacrifice. And mm. I think that's the hardest part is to make the sacrifice but yet our lord of course sacrificed his life for us so Mm -hmm. uh but the words i thirst i thirst so um you know i think uh again this chapter i think speaks to so many people because we do struggle with self-denial it's it's one of those things like Mm -hmm. you know len comes around and you go i'm gonna give up something again and we're so we we fail so much i mean we all have good intentions. We think we're going to give up this or give up chocolate or give up that. And within three days, um, you know, our resolve is gone, you know? So, um, but I think it's as Fulton Sheen would say, he would say something like, he goes, just little things like try to give up the ninth cigarette a day. You know, <laughs> then I thought, you're speaking, you're smoking nine cigarettes a day, <laughs> you know, but I know people that smoke two packs a day, you know, so it's still, uh, this whole thing, but again, he would just give us challenges like give up that second lump of sugar in your coffee, um, you know, uh, refrain from saying a bad word about your neighbor. Like 
there's all kinds of things you can do to practice temperance. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes you might have to be a little bit creative, but uh, mm. still, um, there is opportunity after opportunity after opportunity uh, to practice temperance. So um, mm. it's it's very doable. It's very mm. doable, I find. So, uh, but again, uh, I don't think there's much more to say here because no. <laughs> I think I think we all know what needs to be done. Okay, we all need to know. In, <laughs> indeed, and it's a healthy reminder too. As I, you know, I'm about to start. I've had a break. Uh, every three months from my exercise program it's a good thing to okay. when you're doing weights you take a full week off just allow the the body to recover but this particular break has had to be three weeks for me so i'm really not looking forward to returning to exercise next week because i know it's going to be even harder than usual and yeah. i'm finally at a point where i really need to shed some weight and so reading those words you know uh, the tragedy of so much dieting from a catholic point of view is how much restraint or shall we say fat that goes to waste and Fulton Sheen really points out why am I doing this am I am I becoming lean so that I look good in front of others or is it a spiritual reason that I'm mm -hmm. becoming lean and what what am I going to do with this loss of weight what am I going to do with this um this fasting and dieting that I'm about to attempt right Right. Yeah. Very good. Again, you can lose 20 pounds for two different reasons. Mm. One for spiritual reasons or one just for glamour and fashion and looking good mm. and stuff like that. But yeah. it's great when you can apply it to God. Okay. Amen. All right. We go on to number six out of seven here. So the sixth Please. word from the cross, our Lord says, um, it is finished. And uh, again, you always think of those words, it is finished. What does that mean? And what kind of words could... Uh, Fulton Sheen um, use and what virtue would he apply to that and so he attaches the virtue of justice to the words it is finished and when I first saw that I thought I don't see the direct connection um, like it would um, I thirst and temperance right um, but here as I explain a few of these uh, passages, you'll start to realize how what he means by justice, right? Mm. And um, I think a lot of times justice is giving God his due, um, you know, his rightful position. Mm. And uh, of course, Jesus said with those words, it is finished. He's saying, I came and completed my mission. I did what was right. I did what was just. I was obedient uh, to God the Father. So Sheen uh, writes at the beginning of the chapter, he says, why is it that the lover of, of horror cannot stand the sight of a crucifix? Why is it that the fanatics of murder stories are so cold to the stories of the world's greatest sacrifice? The answer is that unlike all other crimes, the crucifix accuses us. We can look on other scenes of injustice without feeling we are involved in them, but we cannot look on a crucifix without feeling that we had something to do with it, either for better or for worse. And this is uh, something that I bring out in retreats all the time, is that, that the power of the cross and that how, um, you know, there's two types of people in the world, those who can look upon a cross and with great bravery and say, okay, uh, I get it. I understand the mystery of the cross and those who just cower away from it. Um, you know, Fulton Sheen encouraged everyone to uh, put a crucifix in their life. And I know I have one here on my desk. I think, I think everybody should have one in every room. And he would say, you know, 
uh, put a crucifix on your desk for three days and it will change you. It will change you because you start to realize that you had something to do with the death of our Lord. It was your sins that put him on the cross. And uh, so again, I think uh, there's no running away from it. Once you accept that and realize, yes, my sins did put our Lord on the cross, you hopefully have a sorrow in your soul to say, I want to make amends. I want to do what is right, do what is just. And um, again, it's these things. And so that's why he brings it up at the beginning of the chapter and talking about how people can watch horror movies, but you hold up a crucifix and they go, you know, and I think, you know, Deacon Harold Sivers, who um, of course is here on the Perusia network. Um, he talks about one experience where he was on a plane and he was wearing a crucifix and the one lady looked at him and said, please take that away. That offends me. That, that crucifix offends me. And then he said to her, well, then don't look at it then, <laughs> you yes. know? And so of course he put her in the place, but still you will see this. And I think this is why, you know, we've seen crucifixes disappear from places, um, from office buildings, from hospitals, even from many schools where before the cross was everywhere, including public buildings. But because when we look upon the crucifix, we have to admit we had something to do with it. Yeah. And of course, many people feel uneasy. So when you start to see the crucifix disappear, uh, know it's because the world is uh, ashamed. It's ashamed of what it had to do with that. So um, I think this is where Sheen is really starting to, you know, just draw us in to say, mm -hmm. you know, we need to give God mm -hmm. his due, his mm -hmm. respect. And again, acknowledge the cross, acknowledge our role in the, you know, the role we played in putting him there. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, that example that he gives, he, he was obedient to Christ. I saw he was obedient to God, the father, mm -hmm. even in death. And we need to, um, of course, work on saving our souls, uh, even until our death. And so, uh, and it's only right and just to do that, to give him uh, the best effort possible. So uh, mm -hmm. right away, he has that. Uh, yeah, amen. yeah, there was, yeah, continuing just a little bit further down, um, really spoke to me, uh, quote, in the, the crucifixes symbolize the perennial crisis in the soul of every man. The choice between the illusory end of time and the imponderable ends of eternity. First are focused all the microscopic conflicts of good and evil that go on in every conscience, or to put it another way, every man's soul is Calvary written small. That is why the crucifix is inescapable. We either shrink from it or we embrace it, but we cannot be indifferent to it. Slinking away from it like a frightened animal is only the dishonest way of saying it is self-accusing. Yes. And I think this is where Fulton Sheen, um, and again, I'm relating a few stories from his life. Um, you know, he used to um, hand out small pocket crucifixes and he would ask people to carry them on their person because mm -hmm. he wanted us to not have any excuses. I think um, if you carry a small little crucifix in your pocket, it's amazing how much it jangles around with your change. And, and all of a sudden, you, you, we all seem to go into our pockets to get our Kleenex or whatever. And so that constant reminder. And so, um, you know, it's something that you, know, you may want to pick up that holy habit of, because uh, I think we all have small crucifixes in our drawers and 
in different spots in our house. I know I've always got, I got one here on my desk here, a little small one. And um, mm -hmm. every so often it'll go in my pocket. And then when I come back from a day's work, I'll put it back on my desk uh, so I can put it back in my pocket again. But it's that little crucifix that we carry that is that gentle reminder. And so mm. um, again, this is the whole idea of the world um, doesn't like this sign because yeah. it is a sign of contradiction. It yeah. really is. And we, uh -huh. we shouldn't underestimate it as a sacramental either. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, my um, my aunt has, has always been the good Catholic. She's uh, prayed uh, many times for me. Um, and years ago, there was a priest um, in uh, the local parish at, uh, at Flemington in Sydney, uh, Father Anthony Robbie. Many in Sydney may know Father Robbie. He was very kind to me and um, gave me a lot of his time uh, in my searches. And, and this was uh, at least 10 years before I came home. And one of the things he gave me was this little crucifix here. And I put that in my wallet and it, and then finally, you know, I put it in a drawer with some rosary beads that my aunt gave me. But every night, you know, I went to sleep that crucifix and those rosary beads that had been given to me out of this act of love and kindness sat there. And so, uh, you know, I can't wait, you know, God willing, if I make it to heaven uh, to find out just how much of an influence those sacramentals had on predisposing me to the grace that was necessary to bring me home. So we should never underestimate that power of a crucifix. I totally agree. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Fulton Sheen writes here, he says, this is the meaning of a crucifix. Christ's death is not necessitated by the uh, um, perverse will of sinful men, and therefore it is not a martyrdom, but rather a willing submission to their presence wills in order to awaken men to the malignity of their sin and thereby win them over to repentance. Only the sinless know the horror of sin. And of course, the Blessed Virgin Mary saw that uh, at the foot of the cross. Uh, she knew the price of sin and what it was doing. And um, I know for myself, I think that was part of my conversion is that um, Fulton Sheen brought to my attention, look how much your mother and my mother suffered mm -hmm. because of your sin. She didn't deserve this. She didn't deserve to watch um, you know, her son die on the cross. And you had something to do with that. So um, again, that kind of stirred my heart, uh, an extra portion. Uh, sorrow for my sins, but sorrow that I had offended Our Lady and uh, caused her to suffer. So uh, she reminds us of that, that only mm. the sinless know the horror of sin. Mm. Um, and he says here, if you can stand the gaze of a crucifix long enough, you will discover these truths. First, if sin cost him who is innocent so much, then I, who am guilty, cannot take it lightly. Second, there is only one thing worse in all the world than sin, and that is to forget that I am a sinner. Third, more bitter than the crucifixion must be my rejection of that love by which I was redeemed. And so he gives those three points there. And it's, it's, it is so true that uh, a lot of us forget we are sinners. And that's mm. the sometimes the greatest sin in the world is that we all think we're immaculately conceived mm. and yet uh, we need to remind ourselves that we are sinners mm. and that you know we reject 
this great act of love by our Lord that he died on the cross for us. And, you know, what do we say? Yeah. So what, you know, mm. I mean, not trying to say it that way, but that's where the world, you, they don't even take for granted this great love that our Lord uh, died on the cross for us. And so uh, how sad that is. And um, mm. so again, he's finishing well here in this book on, mm. especially this, um, on this pr idea of practicing the virtue of justice and giving God his due. So um, I will leave it at that for this chapter. Amen. And we will then finish up on the seventh virtue that uh, Fulton Sheen encourages us to practice. And that is the virtue of charity. And uh, the seventh word from the cross that our Lord gives is he says those beautiful words, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And, um, you know, we think about our Lord and that great um, act of charity and that how he saved the best to last. Hmm. You know, he'd given his clothes away to the executioners. He'd given away his mother and his best friend to each other. Uh, but he was truly saving uh, what was most precious uh, as a great gift to his father, uh, he was giving him his holy will and, uh, of course, putting into his hands his spirit. And so uh, you can see how the virtue of charity goes so beautifully with this act of love of our Lord. Uh, father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. So uh, charity is something that we all need to practice. And, and some people think of charitable giving and other people think of it as love. Uh, you know, the greatest uh, faith, hope, and charity, or faith, hope, and love. Uh, but still, I think, um, you know, charity in the sense of giving ourselves and uniting our wills to the will of God the Father is so important. Um, and so, um, you know, I think it's this whole idea that God spoiled us uh, for any other love except himself, because he made us out of his divine love, uh, born of his everlasting fire, the earthly sparks of affection can but kindle our hearts. We are all kings in exile, prodigals from the Father's house. As flames must mount upward to the sun, so he who came from the Father's house must go back again to the Father. Love must return to love. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And I think it reminds us that you know we were all made by God for God's pleasure, to go back to God. And I think sometimes we don't always think we have the return ticket, you know, that, that the way God designed it was he gave us the two-way ticket, you know, a ticket to earth and a ticket back to heaven. It just, we have to remember, okay, I do have this ticket. And if we need to have that ticket validated, <laughs> validated or stamped to get back to heaven. And of course, um, again, by practicing charity, um, this, this is just one way. This is just one way. Um, I, and Matthew, I know that sometimes um, for you, getting to the last chapter is always the hardest part of a book, but I don't know if there was something in this uh, last chapter that uh, Thank, caught your attention. Uh, thankfully, I, I made it to within three minutes of the last chapter, according to my <laughs> Kindle. So um, yes, um, absolutely. There was, uh, there was this wonderful um, passage that jumped out at me. Here it is. Uh, there is a, no other real way in which we prove we love a thing than by choosing it in preference to something else. Words and sighs of love may be and often are expressions of egotism or passion, but deeds are proof of love. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, the preservation of their gifts was conditioned upon fidelity to him. But how prove fidelity except by choice? 
namely by obeying God's will in preference to any other will. In the freedom of choosing a fruit to a garden was hidden the test of their love. By their decision, they proved that they loved something else more than God. How true is that of all of us? True, true. Mm. Yeah. I, I think what, um, you know, Fulton Sheen was saying to us, I mean, mm. yes, we're sinners. Yes, we're always running away from him, it seems, when we need to run to him. But uh, that whole idea, that prayer of uniting our will to God's will, we say in the Our Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think this is the, you know, the hardest thing for so many people to unite themselves to God, because it's always about me, I want to do it myself. And, you know, it's so hard to, to make that transition to say, uh, I don't want my life to be mine. I want it to be Christ. And uh, again, that was Fulton Sheen's, uh, one of his mottos. And he said that often, I don't want my life to be mine. I want it to be Christ. And uh, again, I think this is why the cross and the seven last words were, again, he called it sometimes the greatest sermon ever told. And uh, we think of the Sermon on Mount Calvary, uh, but this sermon uh, you know, we think of the Sermon on the, on the Mount of Beatitudes being sometimes the greatest sermon, but really the Sermon on Mount Calvary uh, is a sermon par excellence. And uh, we think of those last words, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Um, we, those should be our last words also. Uh, naturally, the names of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, but also that entrustment to say, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And so, uh, Lord, we trust that you will give us the grace to uh, practice these seven virtues and to use the seven last words as uh, that, um, I want to say, that lesson plan to assist us. So uh, there you go. So uh, that is the seven virtues in a condensed version. And as I said, um, there's many copies of of the seven virtues that you get, of course, the uh, small edition uh, that we have. And I don't think I held this one up too, but this was, I combined after knowing that we went through the two book studies, uh, Victory Over Vice and the Seven Virtues, I put two books together <laughs> and I thought I would put it uh, available. I know it's available on Amazon. Again, it's just uh, not to uh, be a spoiler here, but uh, there's many places you can find uh, the seven virtues. But again, we encourage you to support Perusia uh, Media. And um, again, we, uh, we're all in this together. But um, again, there's lots of different places. So again, the seven last words uh, explained is the mother, the mothership, I call it. You know, so if you want nine books in one, um, nicely put into uh, themes, uh, we go through the seven last words with, um, you know, we look at, say, the words, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do, nine different ways. Mm. And so um, you can, it's a little retreat book. It's a little retreat book is what it is. And Wonderful. so you can find me at bishopsheentoday.com and just, you know, just say, Al, send me the, the book at that special price and I will. And the beautiful yes. thing about, about technology now is that we can print books on demand and send them out to all the countries of the continent. So uh, where before I would have a hard time, I'd have to get this and put an envelope and send it to Australia and it would take um, six months to get there. I mean, it was, it was just when you put a book in the mail, it can take forever, it seems, you know, but now 
we can print on demand. So um, for our friends in Australia, we just print it in Australia. For our friends in Britain, it gets printed in Britain. And for our friends in the United States, we print it in the USA. So uh, mm -hmm. God is good. Technology is great. But um, yes. again, uh, we need to practice the seven virtues and maybe it is something we can do for mm -hmm. Lent, um, you know, uh, for our Lenten practice. And it's before you know it, it's going to come up because I know we just did the rosary pilgrimage and we're going to be doing the St. Joseph, um, you know, prayers to St. Joseph and getting ready, then our Advent pilgrimage. And the next thing you know, it'll be our Lenten pilgrimage. So uh, the liturgical year goes by quickly. And so there'll be lots there. But uh, again, um, Matthew, I don't know if we should have some questions or we, how you want to we, we will we will definitely. I'm sure our live participants would uh, would love to have a chat, Alan, and uh, ask you some questions. So I'm hoping you can stick around afterwards. I can, I can. Uh, and of course, I should mention also that uh, any of the books that uh, Alan has re-released that Perusia doesn't currently have, we are working to obtain. So eventually, we will have the complete collection. And as was, we've already said, um, the little book that we've covered today is called Victory Over Vice and the Seven Virtues. It can take you about three hours to read it cover to cover. And if you do that alone, it is well worth your time. So please, to everyone out there, read the book. Now, Alan, what yes. are we going to be covering next month? All right. I thought, you know, of all these books, I thought, okay, I've got... He wrote nine books on the seven last words and, you know, which ones are most important. And I thought, okay, we, I thought, so the first month I said, we got to deal with sin. So, because everybody's got a sin problem, right? So, uh, so wait, we did victory over vice first, first out of the bat, you know, um, then I thought, no, we need to practice virtues because they have to complement and make reparations. So that's why today's lesson was on virtue. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know what, we need to be, we're sacramental people, um, you know, the Eucharist is the source and summit of our lives. And so there's the book that Fulton Sheen wrote called Calvary in the Mass, where he takes the seven last words and he attaches it to the seven parts of the Mass. And so when you go through this book together, you, the Mass will come alive all of a sudden now, because the Mass is Calvary reenacted. It's the unbloody sacrifice. But yet you'll start to see the connection of, for example, the confidior, um, the time when we say we're sorry, is the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, you know, the offertory is that uh, time when we become like the good thief, we become the little host on the big patent, and we join ourselves to the big host, which is Christ. And so we do that. Um, and so again, I'm not going to give it all away, but still you will see that Fulton Sheen takes the seven last words and matches them beautifully with the seven parts of the mass. And so uh, the mass will be, uh, I could say, improved <laughs> in that mm -hmm. you will never, you will never ever say the mass is boring uh, ever again, <laughs> once you connect the dots and see that uh, Sheen wrote so brilliantly about the mass and the seven last words. So next month, Calvary and the mass. And um, again, we're giving you time to, study <laughs> yes indeed you know, and, well and worth of course the study and if you want to just come and and of course get the um you know the cole's notes version or the uh, condensed version we're, we'll hear because again we want to feed you uh we want to help feed your soul and help you in this spiritual journey so i know that uh, everyone receives a little bit of something today and uh, i know if you come again next time 
you'll also be spiritually nourished. So uh, that's a good thing. Like I say, if I can go to church and pick up one new thing every day, well, uh, again, we've moved that much closer to heaven. So uh, again, Excellent. hopefully today you've done that. So as, as Fulton, Fulton Sheen said in the instruction, if this publication just even touches one soul, yeah. it was worth putting the book out and doing it. So very good. Amen. And of course, I'm really going to look forward to this next one because liturgy has become uh, my favorite subject of study. So I'm really looking forward to what uh, to, to find out what Fulton Sheen can teach me about the liturgy. So I hope you all will join us. Thank you all very much to those of you who have joined us live and to those who are listening to this recording after the fact. Uh, that's enough from Alan and I today. So farewell from both of us and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Perusia podcast. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, please share with your family and friends. And for more information about everything Perusia, please visit our website at perusiamedia.com.